0: Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. We are recording on a Thursday night. The NFL draft is has not yet started, but they're doing that little intro video thing uh, with all the prospects. Greg Smith is sitting across from me, our first round pick. That was cheesy. What's up, man? <laughs>
1: hey, how are you? I'm, I'm enjoying the little montage here of the guys lifting weights and running on the beach. Throwing football through uh, Yeah, I don't know who any of these people are. There's all sorts of yeah, I don't know guys by your face. But yeah, there's all sorts of crazy stuff happening. But I'm well. I'm I'm glad the weather seems to have permanently turned.
0: Yes, it's nice. The only guy that they have shown so far that I know by face without any kind of like disclaimer or anything is is Kyler Murray who I knew
1: Quentin Williams when they when they showed him. <laughs> that was
0: it. What does Kyler Murray look like? What what was the tweet? <laughs>
1: So on Twitter someone said that he looked like a travel sized bottle of Pepto Bismol. <laughs> <laughs> Just fantastic. And now when you guys listen to this, go back and search out um what he looks like tonight and you'll agree completely. It's,
0: I, but it is one hundred percent Pepto Bismol colored pink. It's yes, it not is. like a hot pink. It's no. like it's very Pepto Bismol pink. It is. And it's pinstripes too, which is very audacious.
1: There there's a lot happening with that thing.
0: It's uh you you that's the suit you wear when you know you're going number one overall. Oh, there it is, right on Keel. So, <laughs> yeah, right on Keelers, showing Kyler. So, just as a FYI, we're recording this. Uh, Billy Sims, we're recording this. Is
1: Billy Sims you guys? Is Johnny Rogers?
0: Billy Sims is that drunk uncle that shows up at everything that just yells stuff that's that people tolerate because he's funny.
1: So he is your Johnny Rogers. Have you seen, have you is bumped that into what, Johnny? Johnny? Have you Rogers? bumped into him on the sidelines?
0: Are, are I feel like that would be like. Mike Rogier.
1: Oh no, I'm sorry. Ooh, that's my bad. That's yeah. I I saw Johnny Rogers. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) I I saw Johnny Rogers at
0: the the Remington Trophy ceremony. He was probably very nice. He was great. (laughs) Yeah. Mike
1: Mike Rozier. Who I'm sorry. We
0: we took a he posed for some pictures, and you could tell he was uh he he had had a fun night. Yeah, that's that's Billson. Okay, there okay. we go. Yeah, Michael's here. Yeah. yeah,
1: sorry, sorry to Johnny Rogers. Those are two <laughs> totally different kind of people. Yes, <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, so the draft is 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 happening right now. Yep. Next to us, just the first round Thursday night. Uh, second and third rounds are Friday. Fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds are Saturday. Saturday is when we expect to have Nebraska news. Basically, um, Stanley Morgan Jr. Devino Zigbo, and I'm telling you right now, Luke Gifford. Those are the three names to... Calling it? Yeah. Okay. Those are the three names. I called it in our mailbag. Um, those I think are- you had
1: told me that before. Like, I remember talking to you about
0: that. I, I think, and I have said this for months, he was going to impress people in the interview nope. settings. And it sounds like he did. Um, but it also sounds like he's made peace with if he doesn't get drafted, which... I mean, that that would make the moment of him getting drafted probably even better, I guess. Yes, it would. Um, so we'll see. But those three guys are the are the main guys that we're looking for. And then, you know, you've got guys like Tanner Farmer, um, maybe like an Antonio Reed or somebody like that that earns mm-hmm. like a priority free agent signing or something like that. But Nebraska's had a draft pick every year since like 62. Is that what the year when it started? Do you remember off the top of your uh, head? You not remember no, off the top that's fine. Of my head, okay, but that sounds right. Uh, but it's it's, it's something you, like fifty-seven years. Street? Yeah, yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, like if they have a guy taken in this draft, which it seems likely that they will have at least one, that would keep the streak alive. And please don't crucify me, but I think it's like it would be fifty-seven. It'd either be fifty-seven or fifty-eight consecutive years. But Nebraska hasn't had a first-round guy since twenty eleven. So my first question to you, and where we're going to start, is why the heck not?
1: I feel like, and this is it's not so weird for me to take it back to this because I am the recruiting guy. But I feel like Nebraska has not had a ton since that time a lot of highly recruited guys because those guys are the ones that typically end up being first-rounders. You can look, there's a big correlation between those five stars especially, but also the four high stars and then getting drafted high. Or you have to have a guy like Quentin Williams is an example we mentioned him earlier where he was a three-star with just a couple of offers and developed like crazy while he was at Alabama um, and will be, what, a top five, top ten pick at worst, right? Totally like that, yeah. um, and Nebraska has not had Either of those. They have not had a lot of guys that have just developed like crazy because development has been a big issue here. Um, And they haven't had a guy that's been super highly recruited that then ends up even getting the benefit of the doubt during the draft process because they test super well um, because they haven't had a lot of, they just haven't signed a lot of those guys. So I think it's a couple of fold there. Um, But that has to change. Like that, to me, that is something in kind of all of our like kind of draft prep and the stuff that we did for this week around the draft in Nebraska, that really stood out to me. Not necessarily that they hadn't had a first rounder in that long, but just the overall like feeling around the draft in recent years of always trying to decide, well, who's going to be that one guy? that gets drafted from Nebraska, maybe two, and then we're gonna see a long list of priority free agents or undrafted free agents. Like Nebraska needs to start to turn that around um to really I think to be another uh way to take the program to another level.
0: Right. Thursday shouldn't be a an afterthought. It shouldn't we sh- it, it it shouldn't be one of those things where it's like okay, we don't have to worry about the draft until day two or three. Right. It
1: should be a celebration. Like, and, it, right. and it's what I often, and because it, I'm talking to you, this makes sense, like, Oklahoma is what I thought about right away. And what the feeling has to be around Oklahoma for the last few drafts versus what it is at Nebraska, it's just night and day. Like, I'm not even taking it to, like, Alabama or somebody like that where they've had so many first-round draft picks. I saw a stat today that Nick Saban has had more first-round draft picks since he's been in Alabama than losses. Um, which is insane, um, but like it just. But you're right; it should not. The first round of the draft, and mostly the second round too, should not be an afterthought
0: around here. No, and it's not like winning is a prerequisite to being taken in the no, first round. Because not. I was about to have two guys drafted in the first round. <laughs> Correct. So, um, do you think that that gets changed with Frost? Like when you look at the the guys that they've brought in in his first two classes, and the way that they're recruiting in the future, do you think that lends itself to having Consistently high draft picks.
1: Yes, I do think that there are a couple, and there's a couple of guys. And listen, we're a long ways out. <laughs> with well, Adrian is going to get drafted in the first round, but like, like Adrian, that's, well, that's Adrian not, is a guy that I think is going to be drafted pretty. High, I don't think that's putting the cart before um, the when of his time comes. But I also think that there's other guys though that look like they have the potential to be, you know, first or second round picks. Should things really work out, like a guy like Ty Robinson, who's not here yet, um, has that type of look. Like Wandale Robinson, as a guy who. is really that style of player is in vogue and really being utilized well in the NFL now um, is that type of guy. Um, There's even guys that we haven't necessarily seen them fully break out yet. I'm thinking like a Caleb Tanner, guys that have that potential. So there are guys, and that's before you get to some of the linemen like Bryce Benhart coming in. Um, I think actually a guy that was already here when Scott got here, like Matt Farniak or Brendan Hymas, I think not necessarily right now first round picks, um, but definitely have the chance to get drafted into the future so yeah I think it's it will change but I think the Nebraska has to get that turned around and I think skill positions is where Nebraska can make some hay
0: yeah I remember the first couple months that this coaching staff was here and they did those kind of tours around the state where they sent like three guys at a time Mm -hmm. and uh, Greg Austin went and talked to people in Gretna and I went up there and he he said we have a um an Outland Trophy winner on our team right now and he didn't name he wouldn't name who the guy was but he was like we I I believe we have that guy on our team right now I feel like the two most likely would be Hymas and Farniak yeah I and remember. it sounds like Farniak is is trending up we didn't hear a ton about Hymas this off season. I don't know if that's you know out of or or it's one of those things where it's like you don't talk about him until no, you have to talk about news. him <laughs> yeah um But Farniok seems to be trending up, and I think the biggest thing with Nebraska is the development piece of it, like you talked about before, like Duval and the strength staff, and then this staff's ability to recognize talent and develop it into something that both fits their scheme and can just be really damn good on a football field.
1: Yeah, I think that, I mean, there's two teams in the division that— fit this perfectly when we like to give a hard time when we don't Iowa and wisconsin um that do this well right and iowa does a nice job of getting guys that fit their system but then also developing them and getting them to the nfl now whether what they do with them while they're there is a whole different story but wisconsin is also the same way um where they get guys particularly their offense
0: is not designed to be good it's you know it's not their fault it's not their fault fault.
1: this is by design (laughs) you have to you do have to remember that but wisconsin is the same way right Right. Um, and They've become very well known for putting, especially linemen, but now they're starting to get some skill guys in there as well, um, and, and running backs in particular. So it, it can be done, even if you're not elevating recruiting classes, if you're elevating development. I think both will happen, um, which could make for a fun mix. But yeah, it, it can definitely be done.
0: Are you surprised that Stanley has kind of, um, we're switching gears a little bit here, that Stanley has kind of dropped a little bit it seems in mock drafts and things like that when we started this process he was up around three to four range and now he's down five like the athletics mock draft doesn't have him going at all in any of the seven rounds which is absurd to me but has this has has this process and the way that it's unfolded has that been surprising to you
1: um yes and no so it's it's surprising in that I think that he's definitely good enough to be drafted and should be drafted. Um, it's not surprising in the fact that Stanley, to me, the one problem with Stanley is not necessarily his fault. Is that he doesn't have, to me, a big wow attribute. So if you were to say, like, what's his big thing that is going to make an NFL team fall in love with him? Like, that's where I struggle with him. And that's, I, to me, that's more of a knock on evaluators, honestly, than, and them, their inability sometimes to just see a good football player versus DK Metcalf, um, who's all the rage because he ran really well, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that that ends up being a little bit of his problem. He didn't have a glaring weakness because he ran faster than he thought he would. Um, but he does also, on the flip side, doesn't have like an amazing, attribute as well well
0: he's not he's not like flashy like I was gonna say sexy but that would come off awkward he's not like a flashy guy in the sense like you brought up we were talking about the Nebraska's first round picks when we were going through the list Fabian Washington and and the first thing out of your mouth was he ran that fast 40 time and that's what got him (laughs) picked by Oakland like he doesn't have that one thing but to me it was always like why is Stanley going to stick in the league well it's his consistency and his his uh bring a lunch pail go to work and not do anything that's going to lose you a football game like that those attributes that stuff lasts in the league but it just it maybe it might not necessarily translate to um being a real flashy draft pick but also i don't think stanley was gonna go out of his way to really sell himself in interview settings and i think that maybe that played a role in all this It it could have. I'm with you,
1: though. But I I do think... But I'm completely with you that I think that once he gets... Onto a team, like even if even if Stanley is a guy that bounces around a little bit, I could see him sticking in the league for a long time, yeah. um, because of his work ethic um, and because he's never going to, like he's just never going to be really bad in my opinion. Like I think he's always going to give you consistent play, um, and I hope he gets drafted. I hope he gets a shot and somebody makes him a priority um, to be a part of their team. But I think that he does have a future in the NFL.
0: How you feel about Devine?
1: I feel like Divine has to continue. I feel bad for him in a way because I feel like he has to continue to go through the same process over and over again. Where when he was here as a player, um, he had to prove himself and he had to say, hey, I'm still here. Um, I get my shot. I do well. But then I get taken off the field. I get in the doghouse randomly. Um, then I'm not the starter to start. Like, it's funny because... I, the story is that he got his great shot with Scott Frost and Ryan Held and that staff which but he didn't. eventually like again, that didn't but happen did not like, right. that's not how that went Like Greg Bell uh, was the starter right. and so we seem to just kind of too. gloss over that right I laugh so hard every time I see people talk about that Like and it's no shade to divide it all like it's, but that was not the case Like it took Greg Bell leaving for him to fully get his shot and then he took Bull by the horns and ran with it which is great um, but I feel like he's going to have to do that again in the NFL I think that's about to happen to him again again and you see that was kind of his projection on where he could get drafted or not get drafted. Um, and then I think what will happen is he'll get on a team. He'll, do, he'll be one of those guys that plays really well in preseason. And people will start to become a fan favorite. You'll start to see it just like he did here. And then I think he'll be fine. I think he'll have a fine career in the NFL. Um, but I think it'll be a little bit of a struggle just because I feel like the same process is happening to him again
0: yeah which sucks for him i don't it does I, like I, i'm trying to
1: figure out at what point how many times do you need to prove something before people just say hey you're good
0: right and and i talked to him earlier this week and and i asked him kind of um i, I asked him if he had a chip on his shoulder after not getting the combine thing and he said not really he said he 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 plays with a chip on his shoulder but it's not coming from the combine because i mean it it, it was one thing he didn't get it he moved on he, he had a good pro day but i asked him okay so then where does the chip come from? And he said, well, right now it's that everybody keeps telling me my one year at Nebraska was my, my senior year was just kind of a, a flash in the pan a one year special thing. And and, and it's not going to happen again. And I was like,
1: man, man that's tough. We,
0: we went through the early parts of his career where everybody was telling him, you can't do it. You can't do it. You're not fast enough. You're not quick enough. You can't do that. And then he becomes those things and, does all the things that we said that he couldn't do and has a 1,000-yard season for the first time in however long. And now the narrative has shifted to, oh, well, you can't do it again. Right. I just – he is a tremendous worker, tremendous work ethic. He's a monster in the weight room. Yeah. Excuse my French. And, like, I feel like at some point somebody is just going to have to look at him and be like, okay, we believe in you, and the rewards are going to come from that.
1: I could I could definitely see that, yeah. I, I could see that, and I just like and it's it's crazy though because one of the things that and I I wish that I, I hope that people recognize this like and by people I mean like NFL like GMs or scouts whoever's talking to him the improvements that he made in his game. Because if you had watched him through his career, like he he did have holes in his game, he had things that he had to work on to be able to get on the field. Uh, but I know that it should have taken as long as it did. But he did have things that he needed to work on, and he did like he was a more patient runner. Um, a more, he ran with more balance. Um, he added power and speed. Like his hands got significantly better. Like I'll never forget. I think it was his sophomore year. It was after practice one time, and he was after practice just catching balls from the jugs jug machine. Um, that's always something that stuck with me as an example of his work ethic um so it's it's those things that when you see a player evolve kind of like this that i hope that nfl teams really understand deeply like how much better he actually got as a running back and what type of a player you would be getting if you drafted
0: because i remember watching his the the film of him from the junior season Mm -hmm. and it was just a lot of okay get the hand off and just run straight into the line of scrimmage and i was like there's got to be a little bit more patience. There's got to be a little bit more vision here for him to have a role in the upcoming season. And then he gets on the field in 2018, and there is that vision. And he's waiting for holes to develop, and then he's shooting through them, and he's got a quickness that he didn't really have before. And all of, it seemed like all of the things that he worked on, or all the things that he needed to work on were things that he worked on.
1: Which also tells you that he's a guy that takes to coaching, mm-hmm. which is a, a great thing to have as well. Yeah,
0: so... Um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about kind of the Husker news of the week, and that is a couple of guys at outside linebacker uh, leaving the team. We'll just say leaving the team. So it's Breon Dixon and Quayshon Alexander. Both outside linebackers are no longer with the Huskers moving forward. Um, I, some people are expecting more attrition. I don't know how much. I, I guess we'll start with the outside linebacker position in general because there's just no depth there right now.
1: <laughs> like, I... <sighs> It's tough because they're really, it's on one hand, and it's funny because um, I was talking to Schmidt about this earlier when I watched radio where he was saying like, man, those two guys leaving, it, it leaves in with no depth. And you kind of alluded to that too. And numbers wise, that's true. But those guys also weren't giving you a lot, right? And weren't necessarily expected to give you a lot this season. So yeah. like, I don't know if, I don't know if you've lost a lot so far in future production. I guess the way that I try to say it, but numbers, numbers wise, you are in a little bit of a scary situation because I believe there is, if you count Jojo Doman, and we should, for the sake of what we've seen so far and been told, um, they have seven scholarship outside linebackers. And I believe what two of them are seniors to be. And basically everyone has question marks.
0: Okay, so two of those guys are freshmen. Our, our true freshman.
1: Two are true freshmen. One's a redshirt freshman that hasn't played at all. One's a sophomore, true sophomore in Caleb Tanner, who's played some. JoJo Doman has not played the position full-time yet. Ferguson has not stayed healthy for a season. Alex Davis has not shown anything outside of what we're being told. That's scary. Like I think we ran through them all. Like, that is a scary situation. When you look just the production or lack thereof – at what's probably the most important position in this defense <laughs> like when you just say it out loud it's a little yeah, it's
0: not good a little scary no and Caleb Tanner hasn't done anything to, to to give you reassurances that he's fine being on a football field for 50 snaps a game no and yet. uh i I guess at this point Ferguson has to show that he can stay healthy enough to mm-hmm. play 50 snaps a game for 12 games in a season, or 13 games in a season. I mean, so does JoJo. Uh, Yeah, JoJo does a little bit too. Like, JoJo's been a utility guy to this point who hasn't had to see a heavy number of snaps, but it's looking more and more like he's going to have to see a heavy number of snaps right. this season, which is a, I would say, a concern in and of itself that maybe we aren't talking about enough, because here's a guy who had some serious injuries yeah. okay. uh, in, in the last two years, and serious like, the, the the ACL, and they tore it again, and then the thing that knocked him out early on last season was a, it, it was never disclosed, but it was a major injury that he had to deal with, and, I mean... I mean, having- it's,
1: it's thin, like, it's it's on one hand, though, like, you can make the case for that group ending up being productive... Right, But, but you is... could also, I, I don't, to me, it, the way that I kind of view these things is when you have that many question marks, like we just kind of ran through, like I get really nervous about that because I, uh, to me, to feel good about a position, I need to have something rock solid within that group to, to at least anchor it, like inside linebacker, for example. You need it's, a moberry Yeah, it's not, it's not deep. But I have Mo Berry. Right? So, yeah, so I just, there is not a, there's not a Mo Berry in that outside linebacker group. And by that, meaning that it's someone who I feel like I know what I'm going to get out of them. I've got some big time potential. Like, I think that if Alex Davis is everything that they said he is this spring, then you've got something there. Mm-hmm. If JoJo stays healthy, you really do have something there. Um, but there's a lot of I got to see it first. <laughs> in that right.
0: Group. This is the time of, of paper analyzing, and the paper doesn't look good. Do they do they slide Colin Miller back out to outside linebacker? I don't think you can do that to the guy. No,
1: I don't. Now I don't. I also don't think you have
0: enough depth at inside linebacker to justify that move. No. So maybe just drop Ben Stilley back again.
1: No, hopefully not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's up to like three hundred pounds. Yeah, you can't do it
1: now. He's up three hundred. No, you can't do that. But you're just gonna have to. You're gonna have to roll with the guys that they have and hope that everybody stays healthy and a couple of guys step up and or hope that. What's become like the most important position outside of quarterback in football? Someone comes available on the transfer market.
0: That that was the other thing I was going to ask you. It looks like they're opening up a couple scholarships. Do you think those are going to go towards graduate transfer guys, or do you think there there are a bunch of walk ons that they want to put on scholarship?
1: I, I think that the preference would be to find graduate transfers at key spots. And I think that outside is definitely, and I think that outside linebacker was a spot to watch anyway before um, this attrition. But I think outside linebacker corner is still kind of up in the air um, as far as of what type of a need that is, in my opinion. Um, wide receiver is a spot. But Boom!
0: It, Kyler Murray is the pick. Pick is in. Kyler number one. Sorry, Josh Rosen. Back to back number one. I really wanted. I didn't know Lincoln's hairline was like mine. Uh, His is bad. (laughs) I didn't know that. Mike Halk is there. Um, Shout out Mike Halk. Shout out sports information directors (laughs) everywhere. SIDs make our job much easier. Yes, they do. (laughs) Keith Mann and Seamus McKnight and everybody else at Nebraska Athletics. You guys are awesome. Um, I wanted Kyler to go to the Giants because I wanted Kyler Saquon Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram in one offense together. That'd be pretty fun. But he gets to go to stupid Arizona where there is Larry Fitzgerald's corpse and nothing else.
1: <laughs> Save the franchise. They got Cliff Kingsbury now. Yeah, but... It's a long walk. Cliff Kingsbury had tape, Pat Mahomes. Where's he, at... Where's he coming from? In
0: the green room. That green room is forever away. Okay, here, here's the deal. <laughs> like, I'm not sold on this? Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach. Oh, Cliff man. had Pat Mahomes for four years... And I think the most games they won in the season was like eight or nine. Like, I understand having bad defense, but everybody in the Big 12 has bad defense. You should have been able to win more with with Pat Mahomes. So I'm just saying, Cliff Kingsbury failing that job and translating it into an NFL head coaching job is maybe the greatest flex ever. But I'm not convinced that he is a legitimate NFL coach. I am with
1: you. But I also am going to be the first one to say to you after Kyler Murray gets drafted that I'm not convinced Kyler Murray is an NFL quarterback. <laughs> so they're a nice pairing there. They'll play them out
0: together. Um, Dwayne Haskins forever. You thought Dwayne should have been the number one quarterback?
1: No, I, I think – well, I think he is the number one quarterback in the draft. I don't think the Cardinals should have, I think I, – I've also – this is – you would not know this because we've never talked about this. Um, I was very, very high on Josh Rosen um, from the beginning. Like, I've always really liked Josh Rosen, so I thought they should have kept him, rolled with him, and probably taken Quentin Williams.
0: Here's my biggest issue with quarterbacks that go super, super high in the draft and – there's there's always like instant evaluation and in every pass that they throw from the the minute their career starts is dissected. Yeah. It, these if the guys that go top ten, the guys that go number one, they're going to bad teams. They're going to really bad football teams. Yeah. And when you, when you play, take a quarterback, when you take a rookie quarterback and you put him into the fire right away, because most likely the guy plays the majority of games his rookie season in most instances. Yeah. They need stability at, on the offensive line.
1: Do you know Blackbird Astro Pub at Norman?
0: I do. Is it a good spot? It's a great spot. Okay. And they're, they're going celebrated. crazy. They're going ham. I don't know any of There's the people There's some there interesting-looking there. characters in that joint. But yeah, those are <laughs> neither here Welcome nor to Oklahoma. There. Yeah, that's neither <laughs> here nor there. But, no,
1: I'm with you. But the only thing, the only, to me, the saving grace for Kyler Murray in this situation is if Cliff Kingsbury really does tailor the offense to his skill set. I very much dislike when teams take a quarterback that has a unique skill set like Kyler Murray does, and then basically try to make him into Peyton Manning. Like,
0: do yeah. what do what
1: makes him him, and why you drafted him in the first place. Mold your offense to that. I think you will end up having more success. I'm also
0: with you. I don't know if Kyler's going to be a good NFL quarterback, but I will. I just do want. I want to caution the the constant overanalysis of of the first 10 passes that he yeah, makes as a always, pro. Yeah, there's you got to wait. Like, because he needs an offensive line. a
1: bust in one week. Like, let's not do
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, back to, back to what what were you we even talking about? We were before? talking
1: about uh, potential grad transfer positions, and I was and you mentioned wide rec- cornerback.
0: I said corner. I said outside
1: linebacker, corner, and my
0: eyebrow raised. And then you said potentially one. wide receiver. Okay, that one's not a big deal, but or not not a shock, I should say.
1: B- but it's hard to find those guys to come in right away. If we had, one of the things I'm I'm leery on with wide receivers is, is if we have seen wide receivers come into the program and struggle to pick up the offense. And so I don't know if adding a grad transfer to have that guy do it for a year um, to be able to really hit the ground running is is wise. Um, But there's also one that we haven't talked about on offense, and that's running back. Like you you may end up having to get a running back in the mix as well, depending on who comes available. Um, But I don't know that that's at the top of the list. I think that outside linebacker is still number one with the bullet.
0: Brody Belt, man. Brody Belt's going to be that scholarship running back. Could be. I I mean, is your running back thing contingent on... Uh, it's contingent on Mo Washington. Uh, okay, I was about yeah. to say one guy because not being if, around. That yeah, we like to be around. if
1: you if you end up in a situation, and I'm not I'm trying to, I'm not breaking any news by any means here. Like I'm just saying, just in case, um, if you are in a situation where you're without him, then I think that you could start to go down the list, and you probably could do it now, like we did with outside linebacker and the question marks that you would have with that group. Yeah, because if you start to think about Mo Washington and his situation, whether it's grades or legal, and the fact that he does still need to improve as his true sophomore running back. Um, Dedrick Mills has to come in and has to get here, and then he has to perform. Um, Ramir Johnson would be a true freshman. I have high hopes for him, but he'd have to perform. Ronald Tompkins coming off of a knee surgery. Um, and then we have Jalen Bradley and a host of others um, that kind of seem to be on the milk carton. So there, there's a lot happening at that running back spot. But most people are probably yelling at me right now, and Ryan held we trust, which is fine.
0: Can I say one thing about Mo? Mo, before we uh, continue? Go for it. I've seen a lot of like, hey, can't wait to see you back on the field. Can't wait to have you uh, back with the Huskers practicing, blah, blah, blah. Can't wait to, to see you have the season that you're about to have, whatever. I think it's really important to remember that just because there has not been any kind of announcement or anything from Frost on punishment does not mean that there is not potentially punishment coming. The, the the his whole thing has been let's just sit it out and wait until we have all the facts and wait until there has been a decision made on his legal case and there has not been a decision made on his legal case, so there has not been a decision made on his playing status with the team moving forward. I think there's a very real likelihood that he could be suspended for a number of games so it's not it, it, it's not going to be one of those things where you know he has his next court date in on May thirteenth where they decide his counsel so There's not going to be a situation where like in June. The case is resolved. There's a deal reached or or whatever. And all of a sudden, Mo is back practicing with the team, and he starts game one against South Alabama, and he's out there for the first snap. I don't think that's going to happen. So I think it's just really, really important to remember that there's a, depending on how his case goes, there's a good chance that he's not playing game one.
1: I think your words are wise, and I think that we're still in a fluid situation. There are still a lot of things to be ironed out there and still a lot of, like, I didn't think of the right way to put this. There's still a lot of time for him to show that he's learned from the situation as well. Um, and I think that that could also pay, play a big role in whether or not he's out there for game one or if he's there for game four or whatever the situation ends up being.
0: Graduate transfers on the defensive line, that's been a popular thing I've seen people talk about that do you think that's i mean they're deep at that position i think i think that door is closed okay and
1: unless you unless you somehow find another diamond in the rough that's a 2019 enrollee kind of like jakeem green was at a high community college like unless you find another situation like that i can't see them taking another grad transfer on the defensive line They, they they i think they have enough guys there that you should feel good about that, that that shouldn't be a thing anymore.
0: I feel like linebacker is the biggest one that that we should be kind of watching for and that whether that's inside or outside, I think they're going to they hopefully or not hopefully they maybe add somebody at one of those two positions. Yeah. I think. Um do you I know Jackson Hanna was a guy that everybody loved, all the recruiting guys loved. Um on signing day it was all, you know, who's the diamond in the rough here, who's the the gem here and it was there was a lot of Jackson Hanna answers. Do you have kind of the same feeling about his ability to step in and and play right away and to become a really good player here?
1: I, I do have the same feeling about him becoming a really good player here. I I would throw some caution on him coming in right away and being a contributor like day one um, just because that's really hard to do like it, it's a very physical position um, and it's like for example like as high as I am on Nick Henrich and his future like I didn't know if Nick was going to be able to come in and really make a big impact day one um, in the regular defense and Like he just had be- the spring yeah, and, and he even had the spring just because it's such a hard position that inside linebacker spot um, in the big 10 like that's a man that's a grown man's position um so you've, you need a little bit of time to get used to college to be able to take that on so some spot duty maybe and I think that that would be the best track to get on it to have Jackson come in and do some spot duty maybe some special teams and then get it going from there um and get with Zach Duval and let his body development but yes I, I do think that eventually he's going to be a really good player I think they'll have a very good tandem on the inside with Hannah and Henrich in the oh. future
0: Oh, Nick Bosa went to the 49ers. <laughs> he, he did. I was just going to ignore that for, for oh. the sake of derailing this entire oh, podcast. Man. Uh, well, let's. I mean, look let's at think Colin Miller. Like. on that. <laughs> Colin Miller moved over to inside linebacker last year and couldn't really get on the field for any extended period because he's still trying to learn the position it's a like, hard
1: position yeah. it is much harder I think than people realize especially in the three four like and what you ask your inside linebackers to do what the what they have to take on um, as far as constant blockers um, in the big ten going against these huge offensive lines like it's, it's a really difficult thing and that's before like just like you said the mental aspect of knowing what what you're looking at and where your first steps need to be um, and playing inside of that cone, all of that, like it's, it's very difficult to do.
0: Is that more Barrett root or is that more this scheme and the whole plan of, hey, defensive line, you're going to eat up blocks and linebackers, you're going to go blow stuff up?
1: Um, I think it's more of the defense, like what you would, well, what would help. There is a trickle down effect. It would help if your defensive line is, is getting penetration and defeating blocks, um, and not losing and then letting a, another lineman leak out. Like, yeah, that would help. So it, it kind of goes hand in hand, um, because you need to keep those guys clean. It would really help. Because then you could play then you could play any number. You could play different body types in that inside. Then you're not so kind of hamstrung by saying, hey, we need fully developed guys on the inside like Mulberry is now um, because we know that he's not going to take as many free-running guards from Iowa and Wisconsin. Um, so it, it's just kind of a trickle-down effect
0: there. Anything else you want to talk about off the top of your head? No. No? I, I think it's interesting uh, where Tony Tuioti has been. <laughs> everywhere coast. everywhere Co- literally coast to coast like, in three days
1: it's what he's like and i i assume that you know most of the guys are kind of all over the place but we know for sure where he's been because his hat has been on a tour um <laughs> of the country i love that so it's
0: much. great i love that too um that's in my my love hate column for friday good
1: yeah. um but i think that like but it's It's also part of seeing the way that this staff recruits um, and so that it's by area, but he's been everywhere. So I've been kind of surprised by that because he doesn't just recruit defensive linemen. He has a particular area, but he's been all over the place kind of getting out. And I think that part of that is, honestly, is that he's the new guy. So they had guys that they've been recruiting that weren't necessarily able to come out and see Nebraska this spring and meet him. So he's able to then go kind of go around and say, hey, random defensive lineman in Connecticut this is me like introduce himself like really kind of start to build that relationship uh before heading out to kind of the west coast which is going to be more his territory
0: here's the last thing i want to talk to you about and it's recruiting focused is this shaping up to be a fast and furious summer or is this shaping up to be something where we're going to get a lot more i guess action in october november december
1: I think it, it's shaping up to be a newsworthy summer, one way or the other. <laughs> okay, so like, so I don't want to predict that and wrestling and get all these dudes, but there are a lot of guys that have said, "Hey, I want to make my decision before my senior season," or "I want to take summer officials." Um, it just seems like, and it, especially the guys that came out for the spring game, it felt like. I believe all of them that I talked to, and a lot of them that said, I want to make my decision in the summer or before my senior season, and I want to make sure to get those officials in in the summer. But I do think that it'll be very exciting uh, throughout the summer. And I think Nebraska sits in a really good position with with a lot of different guys. There are a couple of positions where we just don't have a lot of clarity. Running back, cornerback, which I think we'll kind of get some more as we get through the evaluation period. But I do think Nebraska will have a really eventful summer, like they did last year. I think they had top of my head, 12 or 13 commitments between basically this time and the start of the season, which is quite a few. Because if they can get back to about that range where they're sitting at 10 to 12 guys in the class and then basically get another 10 from the season to signing day, especially depending on if they blow up during the season, like I think you could see some really good stuff from the class. Still, still think, before you say it, I still think that they're they have the potential to be a top 15 class this year. I mean, they have a great start. Yeah, they do. I mean, if you think about, like, Xavier Betts is probably a top 100 recruit. In the country, Turner Corcoran also probably a top hundred recruit in the country. Xavier Betts, I can, I can always remind people of this. Xavier Betts is actually rated higher on every service than Turner Corcoran, um, and so I always remind people of that fact because I don't think that there was enough excitement when he committed. I think part of it is it came out of the blue, um, but I don't. The other part of it, I'm not a hundred percent sure why that is. But I get why people were so excited about Turner because it feels like everybody's been following his recruitment for years.
0: Do you think the lack of excitement or lack of um, a ton of excitement around Betts is just a feeling that, okay, yeah, he was a Nebraska kid. He was going to stay here. They need to stay here. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because I think that you would I think that in a way that happened last year, even with all of the the fanfare that was around Hickman and Henrich in state last year and how coming into that season, we weren't exactly sure what they were going to do. And if they'd eventually come to Nebraska, Uh, I guess not coming into the season because Henrich committed over the summer, but before that. Um, And then once they did it, it was just like, oh yeah of course it did right like so yeah i do think that there's a little bit of that feeling.
0: yeah because nick pulled the trigger first didn't he yeah i was in alaska and, and then happened. a lot of the the stuff afterwards was like oh well chris is in now yeah do you think there's been an uptick in talent in the state you wrote about this just uh an hour ago this was published so your thursday recruiting notebook I was talking about in-state talent you think there's been an uptick in talent or an uptick in attention paid towards that talent
1: I think both, which has been interesting because it, it feels like when I kind of, a couple of years ago when I first really started doing this, like, it didn't feel like, and maybe it was just cyclical because it, it was essentially, like, when I had got the job, I believe Cam Jurgens, when I started at Hill Varsity, Cam Jurgens, it was Cam Jurgens' season, like his senior season, mm-hmm. so it was just him basically, in that class, I believe, for scholarship players. And then we knew we were leading up to the, what, 2019 class where we were going to have uh, Chris Hickman and Nick Henridge. Um, Then you kind of knew about Garrett Snodgrass. I don't think people knew about Ethan Piper at that point. And Garrett Nelson may have already been committed because he was committed for like two-plus years. Um, And then you're coming into this year where you have two national recruits and the two wide receivers out of Omaha. But then in 2021, you've already got – Going into their junior seasons, two guys that are already basically national recruits and Teddy Prochaska out of Elkhorn South and Avante Dickerson, the cornerback out of Omaha Westside. So their recruitments are only going to get bigger as they continue to get better. Both of those guys work really hard. I've seen them both play. They're both very good. And then there's always a couple of other guys that develop and then become you know, power five type guys. So I do think that the talent is on the uptick. And as I kind of close that notebook with it's perfect timing for that for nebraska because there's nothing but excitement and energy around the program right now um so that'd be great to then eventually keep those guys home because it's gonna be hard too sorry it's gonna be hard too if i was thinking about this earlier and i did hey, avante just got an lsu offer he did just get lsu and teddy has michigan as well so like if you think about when their senior seasons are hitting next Year, right? Yeah. Then that would be junior Adrian Martinez and what we think will pro- probably be a preseason top 15 Nebraska team. Playoff team. It, it gets really hard as an in state kid to have seen that progression and then walk away from that. Mm hmm. Like so, if Nebraska stays on the track, I think that they'll be in really good shape.
0: That's a really good point, Because most when you when you do those interviews with recruits, a lot of the stuff are, uh, there's a common thread in that they see the rise, they see the progression, they yeah. see where it's going. So that's a really good point. We'll end there. Um, we'll, we'll we'll watch the draft for a little bit, and then we're gonna watch Infinity War. We are uh, excited. before we go see the new Avengers movie on Friday. So. Um, Hillvarsity Varsity coverage throughout the weekend. There's probably baseball this weekend. I don't know. I haven't looked at the schedule. I don't care about baseball. Kyle Cardell. Kyle does a great job. Kyle does a great job. <laughs> <laughs> um, stuff on hillvarsity.com all throughout the weekend. We'll obviously have stuff if, if, for uh, Nebraska's players that are hoping to get drafted. We'll have uh, plenty of stuff with them. So keep it with us. We'll have another podcast next week, and we'll talk to you guys then. Thanks, everybody.